Blog Talk Radio. Welcome to the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way. Here in the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma, 1921 massacre. And uh, we're just going through. You know, the centennial's coming up next year. So we want a great attendance to take place in honor of those who sacrificed their lives so that we could have a life. You know, so... So often we want to pass this message. We need to pass this message down so the community and the world will know this hidden secret that just now really coming out to the world. So next year it's going to take place. So prepare for it. Uh, those of you who are listening uh, in other cities, start making plans to be here for the centennial. More than just a party and people getting together just partying, but you know we got to know the history because um, Black Wall Street was a place to be back in those times, you know, for African Americans uh, throughout this country, well, throughout this world. Today we got a great show going on. We got a good friend of mine, State Representative Regina Goodwin. She's going to be talking about an election update and law enforcement reform. And all of that good stuff and all that information you need to know about. So we want you to, uh, if you have any questions and you want to talk to Regina, you need to dial this number. Okay, now listen up real good. 646-716-5525. Again, that number is 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press the one after you dial that number, and I'll see your number, and uh, we'll get you in to talk with Regina and, uh, you know, do some things. It's going to be a good show. Good show. All right. uh, Let's see. I'm going to take a break, and uh, she should be up maybe like five minutes after the hour, and uh, we're going to talk about it. All right. Stay tuned. Advertising the Tulsa Black Owned Business Guide. It's a monthly publication reaching all of Oklahoma and beyond, giving exclusive content about your business and many businesses that are connected to you. Full page and half pages are available. Purchase and artwork are due on the 25th of each month. Visit us online right now at www.tulsabobn.com for more details. Or email us right now at tulsabobn at gmail.com for pricing. Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Toll with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache 
in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janice. P&J Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N B capital A capital C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www.pnjpublishing.com. Unleash that book that's inside of you with PNJ Publishing. Everybody's talking about you and you're Hi, this is Reverend Dr. Robert Richard Allen Turner, pastor of the historic Vernon African Methodist Episcopal Church. Vernon has been a staple in the Greenwood community since her origin in 1905 and wanted to invite you to participate in our virtual 115th church anniversary. But we'll be having Attorney General from the state of New York, Letitia James, be our keynote speaker. You can find out more details on our website, www.vernonamd.com. And again, God bless you and God keep you. Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American community. The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroots Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to the Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. North Star Security and Private Investigation provides over 35 years of experience to ensure your security and investigation needs are met. Our officers are clean and state certified. If you are seeking employment, stop by our website at www.northstarsecurityandpi.com. For details on quotes and employment opportunities, call today at 918-248-6592. That's 918-248-6592. North Star Security and Private Investigation. Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show. This is where we tell our stories our way. Black on Black Media Service Company here located in the heart of Black Wall Street, Tulsa, Oklahoma. So if you're listening somewhere else, that's where we're at. We're located at 1533 North Norfolk, uh, right here in my grandfather's building. You know, he built this building, and we're still keeping all of our stuff and, you know, trying to make it happen for our community and for our people. And um, once you stop by, you know, talk to us if you got issues or something. See, we deal with more than just we're, just, we're more than just a radio station. I just want to let you guys know. We deal with the community. We're involved. We give out backpacks. We feed people. Uh, I have a 
youth program here called a Juice Radio Show, and we deal with a lot of issues. Uh, and I'm at a point to where, you know, I don't put anybody on any particular pedestal, whether you a judge or a representative or a senator or whatever, are you a homeless person, a single parent mom? Everybody's on the same um, level to me, you know, so that's where we try to be. So stop by. You know, we understand that uh, the community is stopping by, and this is the place that everybody's coming to all the time for information and stuff like that. So we're going to give you some information today. We have what I call the lovely Miss Regina Goodwin. You know, she's here. How are we doing, Regina? I'm doing fine, Bobby. How are you doing? I'm doing fine. Great, great. Glad to have you on the platform and on my show today. You know, and so Good you to be here. Yeah. So those of you who don't know, uh, Regina is our state representative, Regina Goodwin, and uh, she's a native from Tulsa, right, Regina? Yes, sir. Yeah. So tell a little bit of audience who are listening to you who may not know about Regina Goodwin, because uh, I know you come from a, a historical family here in Tulsa, Oklahoma, with lots of history embedded in your family because man i knew your dad and your moms and, and your late brother eric you know who we used to run around together back yeah. in the day yeah. yeah yeah you know and um just tell everybody a little bit about yourself well as you said i was born and raised in in Tulsa, oklahoma my my mother and father were alquita and ed goodwin and uh, you're right. I've got brothers. Uh, well, Eric has passed on, who you knew, and you know Greg. You know my entire family. Oh, but yeah. I know me and Greg. We Greg had, we hung out Sabrina. in Atlanta a little bit. Yeah. Yes, uh-huh. yes, yes. I have a sister, Sabrina. Mm-hmm. And as you said, that my grandparents were Gene um, and Ed Goodwin Sr. And then the great-grandparents were Carly Marie and James Henry Goodwin. And, and when you talk about the race massacre and and all that was going on on Greenwood in that day, uh, it goes back to my, my earlier ancestors there. And then I came leave my mother, our mother's side. I've got a Bethel and Harold Parker. So I give homage to both sides of my family and absolutely blessed. And like I said, grew up in Tulsa, uh, a woman of faith, truly believe in God, and was blessed to grow up on Greenwood at 1415 North Greenwood. So on Greenwood. went to uh, Booker T, Washington High School, and uh, then on to University of Kansas, and so anyway, Bobby, that's uh, you know, well, that, you that, know that, that in my yeah. early early years, that 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 would that would kind of sum it up. Yeah, well, well, Regina, growing up on Greenwood, what do you remember? What do you remember? Oh, honey, please, I remember Greenwood. Remember, I I, I got. Salt and pepper hair for a reason. <laughs> uh, let me tell you, yeah. um, it, it was a blessing to grow up on Greenwood. And, I, and I, I, I I always say this, that I was blessed to literally live in a house where I was born in Moton Hospital, which is two, over to my right, about a block and a half over to my right. Yeah, me too. And Okay. And like most black folks, because mm-hmm. of segregation. Mm-hmm. And and then also the church that I had attended then was the oldest church in North Tulsa. Uh, that's First Baptist Church in North Tulsa. So that was the church I literally would run across the street to just to go to church. Right. 
I, I went to school right behind me, which was Carver Middle School. There was only a parking lot that separated our house from Carver Middle School. And, um, you know, that was my existence. And then, you know, we had Latimer's Barbecue. Right. We had a library. Exactly. Uh, we had Goodwin and Goodwin Law Firm right next to my right. Yes, that's what I remember. It's really what do I not remember. And then uh, and the whole cycle of life for me could have happened right in that block. So from where I was born to where you would be buried at Jack's funeral chapel. Yeah, that right. I had to it. Yeah. So, I remember Greenwood. I remember the sense of community. And uh, I certainly remember it going through the whole urban removal process because that's why we had to move off of Greenwood. Yeah, re- removal. And what some folks refer to as renewal really was removal. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I remember Deep Greenwood. Every, if you know Greenwood, you know Greenwood. If you know yeah, Deep you Greenwood, do. you know, you hear about all the industry and all the great uh, business folks around Greenwood, the doctors, the lawyers. Uh, you know, the folks that, that had their restaurants and barbecue places, et cetera. But also, you know, folks were running the numbers. There was a little bit of everything going on on Deep Greenwood. Folks would get cut on any particular night. Yeah, so I know. They could get they, wild down on Deep Greenwood. You, and, you, remember, and, 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 you remember they used to say, yeah. uh, hey, don't go down there, Deep Greenwood. You know what I mean? Don't, <laughs> there. don't go down I on know. that end down there. Yeah. I know. I know. So, yeah, so I remember Greenwood very well. Yeah, and it's uh, unfortunately it's not like it used to be. And like you said, urban removal came in and took over, and OSU came down there, and big old buildings, and they curved the street around because people don't know Greenwood went straight. You know, it, it didn't curve. It was a straight shot. It was straight it was shot. A straight shot. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, from Archer to Pine. Right, and ran, ran right into that's Latimer's that's Barbecue right there. You know, there you go. Yeah, there you I, go. I remember because I used to be on Greenwood running up and down there. You know, just don't go. I deep. remember because I used to run over the ladder Miss Barbecue to give me a bologna sandwich. <laughs> yeah, right. You remember that? I remember the Rex Theater and stuff down there. We used to go there, and when I was coming up, and we would just mm-hmm. be down to King Park and you name it. You mm-hmm. know, just Greenwood was Greenwood. Yeah. 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 Yeah, it was so, Greenwood. So, that, so much history. Yeah, so much history, so much knowledge, you know. And uh, I just know that um, one day I just hope and pray that we can get back into Greenwood and get some things going back down there. You know, I know it's a struggle because it's, we're systematically controlled by a lot of stuff and finances and money. But uh, yeah. we need to get back to yeah. that Black Wall Street I way think- of life. I mean, here's the deal. If you don't have land, right, it's mm-hmm. all about land. If you don't own the land, it's very difficult to to control what's happening. And, again, you know, OSU Tulsa, they were gifted, gifted 200 acres, right? Yeah, they and gifted. So I, I said that to say that uh, when you see certain powers that be working to make sure that certain institutions are given 200 acres, and then we have to sit through a million past meetings and planning meetings just for a little piece of, of, of property. Uh, that That's the difficulty. And it's always, it was a difficulty before we got here, and I imagine it will be the difficulty after we leave, but we got to keep fighting and doing what we can. Yeah, and, we do. Um, we do. You know, I, you know, I, it, it's, Trust and believe it's not that it's not being addressed in meetings and 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 Talked conversations about. are not being had and solutions being provided. Mm-hmm. Uh, 
I know it is. You know, I know it's been talked about and stuff like that. Well, you know, I went away. I went away from here for several years, and one year I came back, and it was a freeway through Greenwood, and I said, "Oh my God, what has happened?" You know, uh, I think a lot of systematic control is taking place. You know, and uh, it's hard to move forward when you're just kind of trying to fight this beast that keeps trying to keep Mm -hmm. you suppressed and oppressed and doing and setting a narrative of what you need to do in your own community and your own neighborhood. You know, we have this conversation often. mm -hmm. Uh, You know what it is when we talk about black owned businesses and the dollar generating in our community, um, we should not be uh, shy about having that conversation. Gentrification is real in, in the Greenwood area, and it's, we'd be crazy to act like we don't see it right in our faces. And the question you have to ask yourself, who are the, who are the players behind it? Uh, who's supporting it? Who, who's benefiting from the gentrification? And, and those, those, those issues are real. Uh, again, uh, it just didn't just start, but in terms of, land again and and how it's being utilized you gotta you gotta ask questions and then see who's benefiting yeah you do and if you don't ask questions then you know nothing will never happen and if you don't participate to go forward you know i was just telling some brothers yesterday they were complaining about this and complaining about that but stop complaining Mm -hmm. and start doing you got to actually put some works into your complaint. You know, if something's not right in your community or your area or something, you know, somebody was just complaining to me about these bicycle lanes that striped on the streets, you know? Yeah. Yeah. And that's been a, that's been a hot topic here in our community lately. And, you know, if you don't like what's going on, charge the powers that be, you know, charge them up, you know, Uh, call the city, you know, call, get in touch with your, uh, elected yep. officials and stuff, you know, find yep. out, support them. Because, see, this is what I see. I see a lot of the elected officials, we all elect people, but we don't put in as enough support behind them as we need to do it. You know, mm-hmm. we just, we just, mm-hmm. and we expect them to cure the world when you guys can't do all of that, you know, by yourself. Well, I, I, well, I do think that, that it is, it's a collective effort. And I do think the more informed folks are, but I don't like the bicycle lane. You know, yeah, I think yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't either. I think we have perfectly good streets that are heavily trafficked. Well, we need two lanes of traffic. And when you yield that over to bicyclists that you might see three times a year, right? Exactly. Uh, that you got to ask yourself, you know, if you're not at the table and you're and you're not being heard. When you're offering your your ideas of what this community should look like, mm-hmm. then when folks run roughshod over you, you eat this yeah. bicycle lane yeah. throughout this entire city. That again, it seems somehow the bicyclists now we don't have more bicyclists than we do motorists, right? That's true. So That's true. You got to ask yourself. But, I mean, but let me you know, ask you this, Regina. Going down whatever street. Yeah, let yeah. me ask you this question. It always seems like overnight. Here we go something pops up in our community that we don't know anything about, like these bicycle lanes and stuff like that. Uh, they pop yeah. up and now everybody's like, oh, now we're down to, instead of two lanes, we're down to one lane going and coming now. And yeah. and and like you said before, there's not a lot of black cyclists in our community. There are a few, 
Right. Now, there are a few. I'm right. going to say there are a few, but there are bicycle trails for them, you know. And uh, yeah. I was told, some white cyclists told me they like coming over to North Tulsa because it's not as much traffic as it is out in South Tulsa. Right. So right. I don't know if that has something to do with it or what's going on or why it was even necessary to uh, put those bicycle lanes on the streets. If anything, what they should have done is just stripe the streets back again that's needed, you know, and that's it without the bicycle lanes. Really, the, the question is, is, you know, they didn't, this, this, they didn't just come out here with some paint and start painting streets. They made this decision somewhere at some time uh, to, to do all these bicycle lanes, and uh, it wasn't just yesterday. Mm-hmm. So, no, it wasn't just yesterday. Because, yeah, the you question know, is, when did the meetings happen? Who was informed? Uh, who was for it? But clearly, I, I've not heard many folks in our community, black folks in particular, that have said, hey, we think it's a good idea to take most of our streets and make a bicycle lane and then allow one lane for a car. So, yeah, one lane for a car. Uh, and the thing about it is, it's always, someone's always making decisions for us without consulting us in our community. You know, that's what well, bothers me. They they don't go and ask the community what the community needs or well, uh, what's going on. I would on. like to see, Bobby, I would like to see really what the process was because I, I'm not sure. Uh, but I would imagine they're going to say somewhere that they got had some community input. So the question is, you have to watch what is documented and who did participate in whatever took place. Yeah, who did? The community don't know about it. All of these bicycle lanes are popping up. Yeah. Somebody said in those meetings. I don't know who, though. I don't know who said in those meetings either, but uh, a lot of times they don't even come to the black media sources to even inform them, but let let us know exactly what's going on so we can get the word out to the community to let them know. You know, so... Uh, this has happened too many times undercover. Uh, you look up, here we go, you know, and uh, they just removed uh, the Black Lives Matter mural down on Greenwood. Right. How do you feel about that? Bobby, you already know how I feel about well, it. Well, I want to let been, you know. I know how you feel, but I want you to let okay, our listeners me, know how you feel. Let me say this. I've been very vocal. I've been very public, interviewed about it. Uh, we've done press conferences. I was actually, I was on the radio yesterday talking about the removal of the Black Lives Matter mural. And, and the bottom line is I, it's probably, um, I'm about to say even more troubling of what would happen. My thing is they've been asking for those streets to be repaired on Greenwood for years and it never happened. And now all of a sudden, you know, when the Black Lives Matter mural is down and it's there, then they want to come and repair the street. So I think that had more to do with removing the mural than repairing a street. Because if, if the city was really concerned about repairing the street, they would have done it years ago. Yeah, they would have. And I think that's just a, a, a weak excuse to remove the Black Lives Matter mural. Yeah, very weak. About, well, oh, go ahead, Bobby. No, I'm just saying very weak. And, you know, also I think uh, since the Centennial's coming up next year, they're trying to repair streets and clean up a little bit right there so it won't look like they're ignored, you know. So I'm just, I've said to myself, hmm, hmm, this is what's going on, you know, all well, all, all this uh, kind of new uh, stuff going on. And, you know, for them to do that, it is just uh, appalling to me. It's almost like a 
well, hey, you guys don't have no say, so we don't care what you feel like. We're going to just do this, and this is what we're going to do. The other issue, too, the whole issue of that, that, you know, it was placed there without permission. My understanding and yeah. from the from those that actually painted it, yeah. they had asked for permission for a whole month before they just went out and painted it. And also understand that they have given permits after the fact. So it would not have been unusual for the city to provide a permit after the fact. So yeah. all of this talk about, well, that this wasn't done properly, uh, there's far more to that whole mural being removed. And I think everybody uh, that's got a little bit of sense understands what's going on. Mm-hmm. And I think the message uh, um, is is good. And, yeah, and I think sure. it, it, it's fine for that message to be right there in the heart of that community. Um, so, you know, we got a, a, a vice president that refuses to say that, or for that matter, a president that refuses to say that Black Lives Matter. Oh, for I sure. They won't acknowledge that. that. Yeah, but I will say this, whether they acknowledge it or not, I think we know as a community, we know that our lives matter. We know that black lives matter and we know our inherent worth and we don't need anybody else to affirm that for us. But I also think the messaging uh, is good when you when it's visual and you see it. Mm -hmm. And so I definitely think that uh, removing it is really speaks more to the city. Uh, than anything else, and and I'm sure other folks were were weighing in. Yeah, they they the cl- they claim well, if we if we're gonna let you guys put Black Lives Matter on the streets, then other neighborhoods should be able to put what they want on their streets. You know, okay. And that's so, what Bobby, I heard. All that's been discussed. Yeah, all, Bobby, all of that's been discussed. Yeah, uh, the government. There's something called government speech. I said this long, long time ago. There's something called government speech, which you can then paint a mural or do what, what you would like in a particular community, and the government can stand by it. It's been done in so many other cities. So this whole idea that if you guys get to say Black Lives Matter, then we get to do whatever, that, that again, all, it's happened all across the nation. Other folks have figured it out, and we don't need to stand behind excuses, nor do we need to kowtow to um, folks that don't mean well for all of Tulsa. And yeah. it's just um, it's just inflammatory speech. It's, like I say, there's a reason why you got militia folks going after uh, Governor Whitmer there in Michigan, and you got um, Trump that it incites violence and hatred and racism uh, because we have a racist president. Mm-hmm. So. It is um, all of that goes into play in terms of what's going on here in Tulsa, and I, I think everybody's aware of that. So this stuff about well, if, if one gets to do it, everybody else gets to do it. That's not the way the world has worked, and uh, mm-hmm. people just being to certain weak excuses. Bobby, you know, I definitely want to talk about in terms of what people don't know. I oh, do want to sure. talk about the whole situation with the Tulsa County Election Board and yeah. early voting. Well, let's get into a little bit of that right quick because we know we have an election that's going to take place on November the 3rd, you know. And uh, yeah. tell us a little bit about – uh, well, let's give us an election update. Okay, so here's here's what we really need to understand. As long as we've been doing early voting – we have always gone down to the Tulsa County Election Board. 
Right here in Tulsa. And we go down on three days. We go down on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Mm-hmm. And this will be the first year that you will not be allowed to go down to the Tulsa County Election Board to cast your early ballot. That means you're going to walk in and you're going to vote early. You will not be able to do that at the Tulsa County Election Board. That's on Denver. Five, five, it's five on Denver. Denver. That right. is not the place. And that's all we know out of out of tradition, out of routine. And so for every person that plans the early vote, you do not have that option. I have been literally all week trying to see if there's something to be negotiated, if, if somehow we can have access to the Coastal County Election Board as we've had in the past. But they seem to be pretty certain that it's not going to happen. So they're moving it to Driller Park. And I told them Driller Park is like a logistical nightmare. Because there's difficulty parking. Seems like folks are, I'm thinking about our seniors, our, our elderly black senior folks that will go down to the election board. Now they've got to find their way over to Driller Park, figure out where they're going to park, find the parking space. And, and then they've got to go inside a certain door over there at Driller Stadium to go through the corridor where the concessions are. So, you guys, this is huge. Probably... What I would imagine one of the biggest elections in our lifetime, and the Tulsa County Election Board is the only election board in all of Oklahoma that will not allow now for early voting. They say they're doing it because they want folks to be in a more open air environment because of COVID-19. They want to be able to accommodate the people that might be showing up for early voting. I understand that concern. I, I truly truly understand COVID-19, then they need to get the word out to every registered voter. And everybody knows, I hope by now, yesterday was the deadline for, for registering to vote. Yeah, it was. But now for every registered voter, they need to get the word out. And I don't see that effort. They're telling me they don't have the funds. Uh, we, we talked about CARES Act money that could have been used for them to help get the word out mm-hmm. and every suggestion I would make. Then they said, well, we don't have the manpower to get a word out to 350,000 voters. So I, I'm just telling the folks, please uh, understand no early voting. And early voting is going to be these other dates. Early voting is going to be uh, October 29th on Thursday. October 30th on Friday, that's from 8 o'clock to 6 p.m. And then on Saturday, October the 31st, early voting is from 9 to 2. Mm-hmm. And now it's going to be, I'm told, over at 201 North Elgin Avenue over there at Driller Ballpark. And like I say, I think there's a better way forward. And at this point, uh, I just don't want folks showing up at the election board and you've not been told that it's now been moved over to Driller Park. I do know they put uh, something on the news. They put something in the newspaper. But something this drastic in an election this important, they need to be on the news every day. There should be mailers out to every household yeah, they, to let folks know yeah, such that, a drastic change is happening. And that's what I'm talking about right there as far as getting information out to our people in our community. And I'm wondering why did they pick Driller Park to even move it to? Why did they move well, it there? So the, they told me, um, you know, the, 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 even though we're knowing that the COVID-19 is spread, it's airborne, they're saying that they want people more in an open-air environment. 
So when they go over there to, to, to vote, that stadium provides more um, of an atmosphere, you know, air oh, for, for As far as COVID is concerned, right? Yes, yes, yes. Uh, the other issue is, you know, they expect um, uh, voters and they want to be able to accommodate everybody. And, and again, I don't know why you would abandon the election board. I don't know why you would not just broaden your reach. Mm-hmm. Keep the election board to accommodate who they can accommodate. They could. They could have done it there with social distancing and everything. They could have. Hmm? They could have done it over there with social distancing and, and Well they, we just did it with the mayor's race. Yeah. Right? We just had a mayoral race. Um folks voted early at the Coastal County Election Board and and I still you know, but I'm told over and over again that they don't have the manpower to have send some folks over to Driller Park and some to remain at the election board. I think that if folks want to uh, to figure out uh, a better way forward to make it convenient for the voters uh, and accessible for the voters, I think we should have been able to work something out. Mm. Um, but um, at, at this is why I'm just sharing with folks now that it is going to be over at Driller Park. And, oh, and you, Bobby, I don't so I don't think folks understand how major this is. If you've it's ever major. voted early voting on a Thursday, Friday, or Saturday, you understand what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. See, a lot of people. In our community, they're gonna go right down to the election board and find That's out. That's all we've ever known. You know, That's all we've ever known. Yeah, all, and then they're gonna find out. Well, you can't vote here. So yeah, and now I, you go, and they're gonna be redirected. There's, there's supposed to be a sign up. Yeah, that tells you redirects them over to Driller Park. But again, parking. I'm also told. Now I'm told that that they've worked something out with Bass Bank, B A S T Bank, so folks can park there. And I said, well, that's Two blocks away from Driller Stadium. What about the I said, seniors? How far away is that? You know, so yeah, yeah seniors um, gonna would, and, are they gonna have to walk? You know, up there. Yeah, I, I did ask them about and wheelchair, wheelchair and access and things of that nature. Yeah, they did tell me they were gonna create some space in the front. Um, they want there's only one access point that they want you to go through, and that's kind of in the middle. Not not when you're going down Archer Street. You got to go down down Elgin. And go through that entrance. And um, they say they're going to provide parking spaces for those that are that are, are disabled. And hey, you know, I did wow. I did ask about that also. Well, that can be kind of discouraging for some voters, you know, uh, who are used to going down there to the election board. And they're, if they're not, they should be blasting this all out in the community and Every everywhere day. on the news and all of that. Letting people know, you know, but uh, I think it has something. I'm feeling a little funny about that, you know. I'm feeling well, real funny about you it. You know, and, and I, I told them I was very, I was very direct. I said, you all, with everything that's going on with voter suppression now, with all the craziness with the postal service and dismantling sorting machines, and we got the joy who has already, already compromised the the election process. We don't have to worry about them stealing an election. They are in the process of stealing an election. We're not sitting back waiting to see what they're going to do. They're showing us every day that they're stealing this election. Mm-hmm. And I'm talking about specifically Donald Trump and DeJoy mm-hmm. and, and his uh, a bar, all of these people that are making these decisions. Mm-hmm. Uh, it, it, it's something unlike we've seen in, in – in, in my lifetime, for sure. Right. Hmm. 
They keep pop. They keep doing it to us, don't they? Keep popping up. Things that keep yeah, and, and again, you know, I said then if you're going to change it, get the word out. And like I say, they have put it in the paper. And this went about three weeks ago. They they went on TV, but I told them they need to be doing this every day. This oh, is like every day until November third. Yeah, deal. that's how urgent this is. Yeah, well, I'm gonna <laughs> on this platform. I'll continue to let our people know and those who are listening, you know. Uh, yeah. Is there any kind of numbers, uh, any place to get information? For the Tulsa County Election Board? Yeah. You know what? I'd have to look that up. Yeah, I, I got to look it up, County. too. I'll look the it up, too, board, and, get, and get these uh, information, you know, because yeah, yeah, uh, they would have, yeah. closed yeah. mouth and don't get fed. When you go to their site, yeah. they have new chains on their site. But again, you know, most folks aren't going to just out of the blue just look up the Tulsa County Election no, Board. No, they're not. They're going to wait so, until the day of the election, and then they're going to, yeah. hey, run me down to the election board, and they're going to get down there. What? I can't yeah. vote here? I got to yeah. go around to drill a stadium? You know? Yeah. That's what's going to happen. Yep. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So that, that I definitely want folks to know that's what's happening. Mm-hmm. That's that's crazy. And, I, and, 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 Bobby, the other thing is we had to work on not only Tulsa County, but all throughout Oklahoma, you got to consider the down ballot. I understand this is Trump territory, Oklahoma. But folks need to understand when they're voting, right, um, if they're going to vote just a straight Democratic mm-hmm. ticket, right? Uh, then that affects all of the other races that are going on right now. That's true. So that's why it's so important that, that they know where they're supposed to vote. And understand what's going on on the down ballot because mm-hmm. you got some some state races and some races for Congress that are very important, and um, so that's why it's important for all the folks. Like, well, this is Trump's yeah. country anyway, so the difference doesn't make mm-hmm. the difference that it makes is there's some state questions on the ballot that are absolutely important. You know, yeah. state question eight or five exactly. is on the ballot. That, that for me is an absolute yes. Yes, yeah, right? so I'm going yes and, on eight or five too. You know, I understand. Yeah, and, 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 and the next question underneath that for me is a no. Now, I'm just telling what I'm doing on that. And, and What are you doing on that? that? What is that question, the next question? So the next question has to do with, with T-set. There was, some fun, there was a lawsuit settled years ago as it related to tobacco. Mm-hmm. And, um, and out of that, there was something called the Tobacco Settlement Endowment Trust Fund, and they refer to it as T-set. And, and monies have been for years set aside just in that fund. And what they're now going to do with that state question 814, which I'm a no on, I'm keep saying that, they're going to sweep that money out of that account. And, and under, under, the, under the, the talking point, right, mm-hmm. under the talking point of that will allow for um, Medic, Medicaid uh, program. Come on, y'all. Think about it. Think about this. Mm. I, I guess – the bottom line is we barely passed 802, which expands Medicaid funding in Oklahoma. Exactly. I was all about 802. Mm-hmm. I said it every chance I got, and it passed in Oklahoma because the people put it on the ballot. That expands Medicaid in Oklahoma. The state legislature would not touch it. For years, they would not bring back, Bobby, a billion dollars of wow. our money so we could expand Medicaid. Year after year after year, they would not do it at the legislature. Democrats wanted it done. The Republicans, many, many Republicans, did not want it done. So the people got the question on the ballot, 
and it passed. And it's black folks that voted that helped that pass by that narrow margin. And, and if anybody ever questions the power of the black vote, that is why our state question 802 passed, mm. right? Mm-hmm. Because the rural areas where hospitals are closing down, they did not, they voted only 40% of the rural areas voted to expand Medicaid. And they're the ones that are also suffering. So it was the black vote that took us over the top when you looked at those groups and how they voted. We were overwhelmingly voting for Medicaid expansion. And so our vote actually helped the rural brothers and sisters. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, I got you. And, and they didn't vote in their own best interest. So hmm. having said that, that's why I'm a no on 814, because they, they try to make it seem as if somehow now they're caring about Medicaid expansion. Mm-hmm. That was never the case. And they're getting ready to sweep that money out of that one account and put it somewhere else that may or may not be used for that. Mm-hmm. And we don't know what they have planned. Mm-hmm. Right? Right. So, so that, that, that's important. That's important. So, yes, on 805, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody, yes. You listening? Yes, yes on yes, 805. And, and no on 814. 814, no. And see, that's a lot of, that. that what goes on is that a lot of times when people go to vote and they see the propositions and things up there and they word it a certain way, people get confused yes. about, well, what, what do I check, yes or no? Be careful yep. of how you vote yep. because you if you don't know, just don't go. <laughs> you know, don't go with what you yeah. don't know. Yeah. You know, yeah. I, I'm like yeah. this, if if I vote, I'm going to vote on things that I know about, and I'm going to do my research before I even go to the polls, you know, so That's I'll right. know what to vote on. You know, and so, right. and so often we'll go to the polls and we're going to just vote on the president, the congressperson, the so-and-so-and-so. But those propositions that are worded right. funny are some of the things that we don't know a lot about, you know, so. Right. And I'm glad you brought right. that up about 805 because I already knew that was a yes for me. Now, nah, just for me. Yeah. You do what you yeah. want to do, but for me, and I know for you, it's a yes too as well. Yeah. You know, so. Absolutely. We, we Absolutely. Make, we and, make, you know, we got, got you know, it, don't get me started on, on, on folks not being informed and, and the, the language being confusing. And uh, again, this is very important, Bobby, while we're talking about voting. Very important. Yes. For those folks that persons that have been um, that have been uh, convicted of a felony, they mm-hmm. need to know when they can vote. I don't want folks thinking they have a felony and they can never vote again in life. That's just not true. That is true. And 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 I tell you, you know, um, I, I've said this uh, more than once that it was um, I got the it was my bill that became law. They made the language clear about persons convicted of felony when they can vote. Yeah. And uh, that was signed in law. So every voter registration form now, every new voter registration form has the new language on it, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And it and, basically it says when you have fully served your sentence, yeah, you can vote. Yeah. You know, any time of probation, parole, or supervision. And, and so here's people that are convicted of felony, how they can know whether they can vote, right? They need to take, and it's real simple. Take the time, the date of your conviction, take the date of your conviction, add the years of your sentence, then you will know when you can vote. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So take the date of your conviction, yeah. add the years of your sentence, and then you can know when you can vote. Yeah. And, 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 and that's important 
because there'll be a lot of folks out there that don't even realize they can vote. Oh, I've talked to several of the uh, felons and people. Oh, man, you know, I'm a felon. I can't vote. How long you uh, been out of uh, prison? Uh, Man, it's been about 20 years now, you know. Yeah, Yeah, man. Hey, dude, come on. You know, you got to do your investigation. Yeah, and that is, well, the thing is, when they leave, sometimes they're given the wrong information. They are told they can't vote. Oh, yeah, for sure. Because in, in, I met a man, like, I, you know, the story, he was uh, sitting on his porch, had been out for 35 years and didn't know he could vote. So it is, and that is why I wrote the bill. And and, and so now we, we continue. Just mm-hmm. yesterday, it was the same situation, trying to get the word out. Yeah. On, on and you know, we vote. need to think. If you have a deferred sentence, right. Bobby, if right. you have a deferred sentence, mm-hmm. you can vote. You never lost your right to vote if you have a deferred sentence. Okay. Okay. So that's important for folks to know. Yeah. I want to thank you for that too, Regina. See, a lot of people don't know that's part of your work and what you do. You know, uh, and that's a bill that was passed. And so, due to what you proposed, you know, so thank you for, for doing that, you know. And, um, and we just got to constantly, constantly get the word out. Get the word you know? out. And you also yeah. got a bill passed for pregnant women in prison not to be handcuffed. Yeah, yeah. Tell us a little bit yeah. about that, right? That bill right there. And what happened? Yeah, yeah. That bill, that bill had to do with the fact that in Oklahoma they were still allowing practicing where they would shackle a woman to the bed in the hospital when she's delivering, while she's in labor, delivering a baby. They would shackle the right wrist and the right ankle hmm. during delivery. And so we were able to get that banned as a practice. We were able to get, uh, I worked with uh, uh, Demaria Monday on that bill. Mm-hmm. And we were able to get, uh, to allow a doula, that's someone who can help with delivery. And also we were allowed uh, to get a relative inside during that delivery. Because at one time they would not allow you to have any family members with you during that delivery. Yeah, and and- uh, so... That's yeah. so crazy. And also clergy is allowed. Mm-hmm. That's so crazy to me. Here's a pregnant woman to uh, have birth. Have a you baby. Know, have a baby, and you're going to lock her and chain her down? Come on. I mean, delivery. That, that seems inhumane to me, you know? It, it, is, it, it is inhumane. Yeah. It is inhumane, and so so that, that, that law was changed. Yeah. Um, well, you yeah. guys worked on that hard. I remember when you were going through that, you know, both of you guys, yeah. Demaria and yep. yourself working on those yep. things. And these are the things mm-hmm. that our people in our community need to know about. You know, I think yeah. so often they don't understand uh, what our elected officials and people are out here doing. You know, and yep. you guys are yep. doing a yep. lot, but it's really never talked about in the media source, you know. so Yeah, yeah, well. You know, that is, you know, that is, um, and, I, and and also Donna Thompson, Margaret Love helped, Donna Thompson has helped with the, the as it related to the person convicted of a felony, and then mm-hmm. also Margaret Love helped with the Caregiver Act bill, which actually we got national uh, recognition for and state right. recognition, and that basically was expanding the opportunity for people to get um, help. When they're caregivers and they're taking care of somebody in their house, mm-hmm. and 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 you know you need help with that, you need assistance with that. Yeah, you do. And that is a really strong program, and that is ongoing. And then um, 
the other bill that was signed into law as it related to mm. something that Mike Reed had been working on for 10 years. And right. we finally got that done, basically, that says you can get your license plate that mm-hmm. talks about Black Wall Street, mm-hmm. remembering Black Wall Street, and then that fund, those funds then go over to help Juneteenth, to help fund Juneteenth, and that, that was signed into law. Yeah. Also, so, um, uh, I yeah. think Vanessa Hall Harper had the expungement expo that took took place over there where a lot of people and brothers and sisters got their records expunged. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. That is a a fantastic program where so many people are helped uh, at one stop, you know, and she Mm -hmm. arranged that. Yes. Yeah, which was a good program. One stop, you go in there, you got your, your lawyer, you got, you, they can look through your, your history and see exactly what has to be done, and Vanessa did a fantastic job getting that organized. Mm-hmm. Well, look here, we're going to take a short pause for the calls, okay? And uh, mm-hmm. you guys, we got State Representative Regina Goodwin here on the line. You can also dial at number eight, uh, 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press that one button. Okay, Regina, we're going to come right back, okay? All righty. All right. Stick around, y'all. Here's Tulsa's own Gap Band. Okay.
Oh, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. We got State Representative Regina Goodwin. You can dial the number 646-716-5525. And don't forget to press that one button. PJ Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N B capital A capital C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www.pnjpublishing.com. Unleash that book that's inside of you with PNJ Publishing. Everybody talk about you and you're What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to K Bob 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hi, this is Abdul Raouf of the SOS Band. And when we're in Tulsa, we listen to KBOB 89.9 FM. Hey, it's Alfre Woodard. When I'm in Tulsa, I keep it on KBOB. That's how I find out what's really happening. KBOB 89.9 FM. All right, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. And in the studio, well, I ain't going to say in the studio, <laughs> Regina. <laughs> I am in the studio. My voice is in the studio. Your voice, you here. You, you here. <laughs> so our listeners can listen to you. State Representative Regina Goodman is on the phone and stuff, and she's answering your questions. We want you guys to dial in 646-716-5525. And press the one button if you want to talk to uh, Regina. We've been talking about a lot of great information and much-needed information for our community and for our people out there. And uh, we're dealing. Regina, how do you feel about this COVID epidemic that's going on right now? And as like as we once knew it, you know, it's just changed so drastically. Yeah, yeah. Well, Bobby, you know, this is it is. Um... It has been devastating in terms of the number of lives that folks are are, are dying every day. I I think that um, I've been very vocal about the fact that I thought that Oklahoma has not handled it well. Our numbers are rising in Oklahoma. Uh, I thought we opened the state up too soon. I don't think we we should have had mask mandates. And, um, and and why we have um, the handling effort from the national level has affected what's going on here in Oklahoma. And and I don't think who, who who in their right mind would think that Trump has handled this properly. You know, we had a Defense Production Act that never got us the 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 look the ventilators, the PPE, the the meds that we know we have the best minds in the universe. And we still don't have really the medicine that we could have had, the testing and the reagents and the results that would come back 
same day for everybody, right? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. This is supposed to be the greatest nation in the on the on the planet, and we should have used our resources better and and the minds that we have. So we are really in the same place often that we were. Uh, it was often talked about where we needed to be, mm-hmm. uh, but you're still seeing <laughs> record numbers of people that are infected with COVID nineteen. We yeah. get. Yeah, you know uh, exactly uh, yeah. when New York and all those big cities were being affected, we had very mm-hmm. low numbers right here in uh, Oklahoma. The numbers were low. And I was saying, wow, all those people being affected by COVID. And then all of a sudden, yeah. as some time passed, I said, whoa, our numbers are, raise, are rising. Yeah. And right. I started knowing people who had COVID. Now, of course, you know, just in locally, I'm like, oh man, he's got COVID, she's got COVID. I said, my yep. goodness, what is happening? You know. Yep. And 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 I'm glad you pointed that out because the numbers have never really been accurate in on Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. Even way back in March, we weren't getting the real numbers in terms of those that were true. And and it is still not um, under control. It's going to get worse. It is getting worse. And uh, and that's that, that's the bottom line. I can tell you in terms of those that don't have jobs now and the unemployment benefits that they're entitled to, we have to deal with that every day. We're helping some family that mm-hmm. needs to get their unemployment benefits. And that has been not an easy process at all. Mm-hmm. And uh, that that's every day. Uh, we worked every on, day. Uh, on, on a situation yesterday, and it's ongoing. It's ongoing. So you ask what I think about it. What I think about it is that people are dying. It has not been handled well nationally. Mm-hmm. has not been handled well in Oklahoma. It and I, and I do think that on the city level, it was handled better than some of the decisions that were made at, at the state level. And and that not, I'm, I'm not, you know, that's not new information that I'm putting out to the public on that. Yeah, I know it's not new information, but... Wow, you know what I mean. Yeah, you I know, know what exactly I mean. what you mean. Uh-huh. Yeah. Are there places, any places here in Tulsa, over here, especially over here in North Tulsa, that people mm-hmm. can go to get tested for Corona? So, so what what they're doing now is, if you were to call the Tulsa Health Department, you will set up an appointment, and they will it will be an undisclosed location, but they will tell you where to go. Mm-hmm. Okay. And early on, I I, I had. Early on, I had to talk on the state level, certainly the local level, in terms of we need to see the data of black folks that are contracting COVID-19. At one point, they were not collecting that data. Mm -hmm. They weren't making it public. Mm -hmm. So uh, we had to push for that, and then they began to put out charts that would show how many black folks are affected, right? Um, And that that matters because we were disproportionately affected and and still are as it relates to COVID-19 throughout the nation. Uh, so, but the Tulsa Health Department can be a phone call that could be made, and then they will give you a, a location where you can go to get tested, and you'll get the results in about three days now. Three days? I, 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 I know this because I just referred somebody to the Tulsa Health Department just a few days ago. Yeah, because, yeah. you know, you, you don't want to take a test on today. Okay, for example, today is, you know, if you took it on a Saturday and you don't get your yeah. results till next Saturday, you know, because mm-hmm. it's like, okay, you could be you could be clean today, but you could catch yeah. COVID during the week, you know. So, yeah. you yeah. know, we need to get yeah, those, right. yeah, you got to get those results real fast in, the, in a hairy so you know where you're at, you know. And, and we're in, 
we're in one of the wealthiest countries in, in the world, and why would we not be privy to or have access to quick results? Uh-huh. And, and, and quite frankly, tests that aren't so invasive. Right. Uh, so this the, the, the be done, but it's it, through negligence that it has not been done. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because we lacked the, the, the people, okay, and the I- insight to do it. We, we lack the leadership. Yeah, leadership. Speaking of leadership, I think that the you know that the president uh, acted too slow. First of all, it's nothing more than a flu, and you know we don't have to worry about it. And blah 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 blah. He failed and yeah. dropped the ball on this COVID deal, you know. And uh, yeah. now look what we're we're up against. Yep. And, and the fact that, you know, and we're not going to stay on this topic too long, but this, this, all the propaganda that he's putting out, the joyride that he takes from the hospital when he is reportedly infected with COVID-19 and all of a sudden he's mm-hmm. good, none of that makes sense. Uh, uh, you know, it, it's just a circus. And in the, in the meantime, people are, are dying. Right. Yeah, they're di- they're dying People behind have it. Mothers and fathers and sons mm-hmm. and daughters, mm-hmm. and he's taking a joyride around the hospital saying right. he had COVID. Right, joyride. So, mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's crazy, you know. And it, yeah. it, 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 yeah. I'm looking at it from a standpoint. They have been congregating without masks and social distancing, and now it's mm-hmm. starting to affect them. You know, it's knocked them in the head, and it's like, uh oh, here we go. Yeah, you know. Yeah, well. It ain't even no uh oh. I mean, who, who in their right mind would be taking this lightly, thinking that it's not a big deal, that folks aren't dying? I President mean, Trump, Donald Trump, in Oklahoma. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, months ago, I was receiving calls about the hospitals beginning to fill up. That was months ago. Now we're getting ready to get into the winter months. You got flu on top of COVID nineteen, and it's it's. Our numbers are rising, and we need to, um, hey, you know, I think medicine that could be used as a so far, mm-hmm. pharmaceuticals that could be used. Right. Let's, let's get on it, you know, mm-hmm. and, and let's let the, the general masses have access to the medication. Uh, just like, uh, uh, you know, just like uh, Senator Kamala Harris said, if, if Trump says take it, I ain't taking no vaccine. and mm-hmm. And that's me. And uh, there, they, there is no level of trust that's been developed. And, mm-hmm. and so the bottom line is it, it is um, an unfortunate situation. Mm-hmm. People are dying that should not be dying. Yeah, they are. People are losing lives. And people you know. run around Oklahoma without masks on. It's ridiculous. Yeah, everybody should and have them. And I talk em. about folks in our neighborhood mm-hmm. that I'm asking, why don't you have a mask on? Mm-hmm. And, you know, you know a, a lot like, of... Well, I'm taking elderberry juice and I'm doing this. No, you need to put a mask on. And, Do what you can, you and, know. And, you know, a lot and, of a lot of our youth and young people, they're, they're disregarding any of that. You know, they're just going around like it's everyday life. And in Oklahoma, they are the fastest rising group that's contracting COVID-19 in mm. Oklahoma. Okay? So the numbers are rising for those that are younger. And so you can contract it. And also, it's, it, you know what, folks are like, well, I'm younger and I, my survival rate is going to be greater than those that are older. All mm-hmm. that might be true. But we do have young people that are dying. 
you don't know what category you're going to be in, so why take that chance? But the other thing is there are other folks around you that you should be concerned about. If, if you're not concerned about yourself, be concerned about other folks. Yeah. And I don't think everybody is, you know, so you got some of them yeah. to do. I'm not going to say all people, but, you know, some yeah. have some concern and some just don't care, you know, at all. So, but it's a new way of life, a new way of doing things, social distancing. Uh, you must do it. Hey, moving yeah. right on along, let's talk about law enforcement reform. You know, that's an mm-hmm. issue. That's a big topic right here in our country. Yeah. Everybody's talking yeah. about it. Uh, people yeah. talking about defunding the police and people are talking about uh, all of these issues of um, mm-hmm. uh, reform that's needed. You know, how do you feel about it? Right. Uh, when it comes to, to defunding the police, I, I don't. I don't say defund the police. I do say we need to uh, reallocate funding. We need to uh, figure out what our priorities are. But I don't say defund the police. That I've not ever been one of those folks. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, but I do know that when it comes to, and what I mean by that is there's some divisions that you have in a police force where you can see how can our funding be better, better utilized. And that's what I mean by that. Focusing on what is best within that agency. And uh, the other is, you know, there was a Robert Harris killing with the Oklahoma Highway Patrol. Mm -hmm. And for three months, we continued to ask questions. We continued to be in touch with the family, Mm -hmm. the attorneys. And uh, I I don't know if you're familiar with the Robert Harris case that happened. Okay. um, Right in Oklahoma. There was a black man that was a passenger in a car. Yeah. Uh, there was a woman driving. Um, they pulled over for a paper tag out of the back of the car, and he ends up being shot. You know, and being stopped. Did. Yeah. All right. Now, again, he was in the passenger side. So you got to ask yourself, what happened between them pulling a woman over, talking about a paper tag, and having a black man in the passenger side, and he ends up dead. Hmm. And and what they said after three months of our asking the family not getting any answers, they came out with this story about, well, we thought he was pulling a gun on the highway patrolman, and that's why he was shot to death. Mm-hmm. What people don't know, what they weren't told, is that there is no audio on the dash cam. There is. And, 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 huh? There's no audio, right? No audio. So for, that should be the first red flag. Why isn't there audio on the dash cam? Why can't we hear what the interaction was? I uh, I did, Bobby. Um, Lee Merritt is the attorney for George Floyd in Minneapolis. Okay, He is also the attorney working with the family here as it relates to Robert Harris. And uh, I've been in touch with him. And I convened two meetings. This has been in the last month with the family mm-hmm. and attorney Lee Merritt. And then I... Uh, brought together a meeting between uh, Attorney Merritt, the family, and the district attorney, uh, Matt Ballard, over in Craig County. Okay. And what's disturbing is that when he says, hey, we don't have any audio, when I asked why, his answer was, well, the audio on the dash cam, it just malfunctioned. Then he told me the backup audio on the dash cam Mm -hmm. malfunctioned. 
And the audio that would have been attached to the officer that's connected to the dash cam, he told me that the battery died down just before he got to this incident. Oh, really? And when he <laughs> the said battery, that to the me, battery died, huh? Yeah. I think that's and when an he excuse. said that to me, I said, I said, you know, that sounds mighty suspect. And I said, you can understand why there's mistrust in the community when it relates to these kinds of incidents. Okay. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so the other incident was the gun that uh, he had. Supposedly, they could not find the gun. The gun that oh, he they could, they couldn't find it at all. Let me tell you, I'm they listening. said they when they first okay. looked for it, and he was shot in the front seat of the passenger seat. They they looked all in the front and they couldn't find it, right? Mm-hmm. They then say on a second investigation, they looked in the back seat area and sitting on top of a white baby's diaper, they see this black gun just sitting there and they show me a picture of that. Mm-hmm. And I'm saying, you're trying to tell me you did not see this when you were first looking for the gun. You had to have a second investigation. So I'm telling you, there is some very suspect um reasoning for how this incident happened and 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 so that it's troubling mm-hmm. wow that's crazy yeah yeah so and what, uh yeah so what would you suggest so, to uh some of our youth and young people because mainly that's what's happening out here with the police as they're getting pulled over and stopped what would you suggest they do Bobby, I think this is something that, that we've been suggesting. I'm talking about families. I'm talking about lawyers. I'm talking about uh, uh, anybody that's had to do with this generation to generation. It's the same situation, right? Uh-huh. We always say you cannot have court out there on the street. Uh, if you feel you're being done wrong, you know, you're going to not necessarily, uh, you know, be that combative at, at that time. Because your objective mm-hmm. is to get home safely, you know. Mm-hmm. It says that that um, you you have certain rights. You do not even have to answer questions. You can say, "Hey, I'd like my lawyer to be involved, right? I'd like I don't feel comfortable asking questions. Am mm-hmm. I under arrest or am I free to go?" There, you want to get what the officer's uh, badge number is. What is the officer's name? That's true. Why are you being stopped? All of that, but we've done all of that, Bobby. Right? Yeah. And, and people still find themselves dead. Yeah, they do. They so, do. And you know, yeah. you don't have so, to you don't have to let the police search your vehicle. You don't have no, to No, 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 no. No, not at all. No, you they can have, you can refuse no, a search. If yeah. they pull you over and they ask you for your driver's license, registration and all that and you have all of that, you can give that to them, but you can refuse them to search your vehicle. Even if you That's don't have right. you, you don't have to have something in your vehicle. I mean, you know, you just no, you cannot search my vehicle. Yeah, yeah, that's mm-hmm. right. That's, that's it. right. And I, I think that what is happening and it is the the whole idea that when they say they have probable cause uh, because they think you know they have some reason to think there are drugs in the car or whatever, Suspicion. they have certain rules now in certain states that even if they smell marijuana, that does not give them the right uh, probable cause. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but even I can tell you they use that um, as an excuse. And, and, you know they use that that 
to say that's why they wanted to check out um, mm-hmm. the car more uh-huh. at, at, in terms of this incident with Robert Harris. Mm-hmm. But even if that were the case, nobody should be dead. And You don't deserve uh, to lose your life because of yeah. some incident or something like that and someone, someone decides and, to kill you, you know? Yeah. No, yeah. no. So, it's not worth it's not highly it. questionable. You know, I tell folks who we know before there was a George Floyd, we had a Derek Scott oh, in Oklahoma okay. City, um, who died in the same manner, right? And in terms of being choked uh to death. And well, he died on video saying I can't breathe. Well, right you know, even before even before him, uh I can remember back in the seventies where police here in Tulsa shot and killed a friend of mine named Chris Deloney, you know, because they said he was resisting arrest. They shot, he was fighting the police and getting the best of the police and they shot and killed him. So it's been going on throughout generations and generations. Now it's been captured on video and things are happening. Technology's got it now because everybody, minute somebody gets pulled over, people pulling out cell phones, you know? Yep. And I suggest they continue to do that. Yeah, cell phones are good, uh, no question about it, because uh, long story short, you know, we just did an interim study. And, you know, unless the police have a, you know, there's such a thing as an unlawful stop, um, uh, unlawful arrest. You know, if if they're detaining you, why are they detaining you? And Mm -hmm. if they're not arresting you, you you should be free to go. You should be. You should ask those questions, too. Yeah. See, our people have to learn how to ask the right questions. Hey, am I being yeah. detained? And if they yeah. say no, am I free to go? You know? And, and you have a right to know why you're being detained. Yes, and it needs exactly. to be something that makes sense. Um, and you have a right to speak privately with your with your lawyer immediately. Exactly. So, and, and get all of those officers' names and badge numbers. Get all that information. You need, you need to have that, you know? Yes. And, and, and let me say this, that let me say this, that if they don't give you that information, right, because everybody says, oh, yeah, that sounds good. You can ask those questions, but they ain't trying to hear all that. Mm-hmm. that that's true also. And so it, in, in any given circumstance, your, your goal is to, 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 to stay alive. And secure that yourself. Yeah, secure yourself. Yeah. Because by law, they have to give you their information. But they don't necessarily do it. They right? don't do it because well, a, a, lot do, a lot of us don't. A lot of us don't. If you get a act. bad officer, yeah. If you get a bad officer, a bad one. Um, it, it's not going to be as simple as that. And everybody's been to that situation where they ask somebody's name. It's not forthcoming, and you know. Uh, so we know what we can ask folks to do. Mm-hmm. How that incident is actually going to happen is a whole other situation. Yeah. And I will just tell you this: that we 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 had an interim study. And we've been we've been offering bills as it relates to criminal justice reform, mm-hmm. uh, law and justice, law enforcement reform, mm-hmm. and the the body cam should be mandatory that people use these body cams. Yeah, and body cams. Yes, because should be a mandate they're for used that. properly. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And the bill that I offered simply said, if you already have body cams in your inventory, you should be required to use this. And then I got all this pushback from fraternal order police folks and everybody else saying, oh, that's just not right. And I'm thinking, if we know the body cam protects the public and the police officer because it gives us 
a fair view of what happened, mm -hmm. why would you be opposed to being required to use it properly? And it also says that if you were found to obstruct justice by not turning on your body cam or turning it off or uh, somehow making it malfunction, then that, you're obstructing justice and there should be a misdemeanor. You should be held accountable. And, 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 and that is a bill that got so much pushback and we're going to bring it up again. And body, Bobby, yeah. something I think that is huge when it comes to seeing officers that are, 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 that are not upholding the law, mm -hmm. uh, there's something called qualified immunity, which basically that they get to hide behind this, this doctrine called qualified immunity. Qualified Meaning they're going to be immune and okay. they're not going to be held accountable for their actions. Mm -hmm. And if you violate somebody's constitutional rights, there should be some kind of accountability. But they run to that law, and that is why you see so many officers. That is why you see so many um, law enforcement officials that that are getting away with murder. And, and that's so what we they are doing. That's what they are doing. Qualified immunity doctrine, and we need to look at um, we need to look at um, collective bargaining agreements where you have the FOP that comes in, and they get to decide basically what their punishment is going to be for their officers. If, yeah, and, 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 and then it's it's optional. It's at the discretion of the chief. So oftentimes you don't see any accountability when you at see all. some officers that just get out of hand. Yeah. And you, you know, know and, and when you see people that are being killed, mm -hmm, murdered. Mm -hmm. There have been people think of the hundreds of uh, African Americans and people and brown people who've been murdered at the hands of police officers who've never been convicted for none of those crimes, you know. Yeah, let alone there's charged, never conviction. They haven't even been charged. They ain't been charged. You can't be convicted unless you're charged. Yeah, and they just let them, they just let, okay, we're going to put you on administrative leave for a little while, go on vacation, we're yep. going to still pay yep. you your check, and you can just chill out yep. for a while, and, you know, and then when you come back, we're going to wash it up under the rug, and that'll be that. And, and, and so, Bobby, they passed a law in Colorado, which Oklahoma could do in bipartisan fashion, and it, it looks at the whole issue of qualified immunity, and it looks at the fact that some of these officers under the cover of that law are not being held accountable. And they True. passed it in Colorado. We could do the same if we had the right hearts and minds to work together to get it done. Mm -hmm. And so how is it that they can do it in Colorado, but you have folks that don't even want to look at it in Oklahoma? Mm -hmm. Because they know that is the law that will help us get through uh, to more justice. Mm -hmm. And now it's, that, that it's, it's, it's beyond me that folks want to talk past that or don't want to address that. Mm -hmm. But I'm telling you, is that it, is something it that we a conservative, Is it a conservative agenda? Um, when you say, is it a conservative agenda, tell me what you're thinking. Well, I'm just saying, is that a Republican agenda? They don't want to pass some of these uh, laws and, and you know, things like that. Well, I can tell you that, it's a, you know. It's a red state. It's a red state now. We're at the state capital, and, it, and it's a supermajority Republican. Oh, for sure. And How yeah. many and Republicans? So, How many Republicans in the House? So what we have in in, Oklahoma, in the state house, we have 23 Democrats, right? And we have out of 101 members in the house. 23 okay? Democrats. So we, have, and we don't have the vote that we need to sway legislation. You see what I'm saying? You just need 51 votes to pass 
a bill. Right. So they don't need our votes, period. And and that is why these kinds of issues that really get to the heart of the matter um, are not yes. being heard. Mm-hmm. I, I will tell you this. It's hard, isn't it? It's a hard challenge, isn't it? it? It's a hard challenge, but here's the deal. If you see other states, look, I mm-hmm. asked them. I, I asked them over the months. Why can't we pass the restraint on chokeholds and carotid restraints? I mean, mm-hmm. you know, one cuts off your blood flow. The other cuts off your airflow. There's a difference between a chokehold and a carotid restraint. The bottom line is I don't think we need any of them. And other states have already banned them. And they banned them immediately, soon after the George Floyd incident. We don't need no task forces here in Oklahoma to study, you know. But you've got officers that are saying, hey, man, that is, don't take, as they said to me last week, don't take our tools away from us. Don't take our tools away. Mm-hmm. to restrain a person. Mm-hmm. And I said, you know what? You have other options, right, that you can utilize. And and especially if it's an unnecessary un- amount of force. You're acting in a reckless manner. If somebody's already handcuffed. They're down on the ground. Why are you choking them? Yeah, why are you choking them? You know? I think so, they're removing some of their laws in some states, right? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, no you, question yeah, about they, they it. Yeah, they're taking that one out. It. You know, you can't put and, your knee on somebody's neck. And, and you know, now, let me tell you. Choke they, them they, out. They're, they're very, the, 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 and, and it's the, the pressure, it's that, that restraint. Because what are you doing with your hands? What are you doing with your neck? I mean, I mean your knees, it, it, it should not be. And, and they get real particular. And they'll say, well, guess what? You know, uh, we don't have anything in our policy that says you can put a knee on somebody's neck. So they want to debate that point. I'm not debating that point. What I'm saying is that you should not be constricting the airway or cutting off the blood flow however you choose to do it. Whether it was was your chin, your knee, your your, your ankle, I don't care how you figure out doing it, it shouldn't be done. Shouldn't be done at all. Um, Yeah, yeah. And then, like I say, that, that so, Bobby, the question is, can we agree on body cams? Can we agree on having a database that says we want to be able to track these officers that have had violations? And so we can see that if they've killed somebody or they have numerous uh, use of force violations, why do they get to just be fired in one agency and get to travel over to the next county? That should not be allowed. Right? Yeah, we, need to we, be able we to had an incident it. like that here. We've had an incident here during the Terrence Crutcher uh, murder. Yeah where Absolutely. the officer transferred to another county and continued yep. on with their job. Yep, yep. And so if we had a database and we had some kind of accountability that could prevent that, that would be good. We, we propose these ideas. We've talked about having some kind of independent investigation uh, that would allow um, these murder cases and excessive cases, excessive force cases to be addressed uh, in, in a better fashion because right now what we're doing is not working. When you've got uh, a majority of these cases uh, are being found to be justified. Well, when the police are policing themselves, we continue to get that. I think Attorney General Cameron and mm-hmm. the Breonna Taylor case is a perfect example of law not being followed and, and a different application of the law depending on who's involved. Yeah, and that because if, if, it had been, if it had been a white woman uh, murdered in the same way, I bet you it'll be, be yeah. totally different. 
well, we, we, we already have cases. We already have cases where we've had black officers that have killed a white woman, and they're in jail right now, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, and the other thing is this. While we're making a little bit of progress because we see more people in the streets that are white, that are Native American, that are Hispanic, marching, saying Black Lives Matter, that is something that we have not seen, right? So we we do see people are more aware, people are more ready to stand up for justice. But beyond that, these laws and these policies have to be implemented and acted upon. We can't just have them in black and white on paper. What are the consequences if you do um, use a knee or you choke somebody to death? What are the consequences if your body cam is not on and we know there could have been vital information that could have been provided, or we don't have the audio so we can really hear mm-hmm. what was being said in the conversation. What are the consequences? So uh, that that's the next step. Um, again, we talked about we talked about the databases. We talked about some kind of independent investigation, which would be good. Uh, we talked about a number of changes that would be helpful. We've got to rewrite what we how we talk about excessive force. You know, what is reckless? What is reasonable? All of those terms we need to be really looking at. And these are bills that I introduced last session. I'm going to reintroduce them. And the question is, are they going to get a hearing? Right. And, and why can't we come together in bipartisan fashion and address it? And it's beyond just the treatment aspect, Bobby. Folks, mm-hmm. well, we're going to talk about um, how we treat each other. Look. And everyday interactions should not have escalated to something where someone's dead. So it's about de-escalation. It's about what are those tactics? What mm-hmm. are the consequences? For sure. All of that matters. And that's what matters. You know, that's really what Yeah, matters. well, it, it's enacting that, though. Not just talking about it. It's actually having consequences and enacting what are we doing with our use of force policy? What are we doing? What does it say in our state law? What's it saying on the federal level? Uh, all of that matters. And again, you know, if you're looking at it, some kind of independent monitor, who would that be? How does that work? And why would we have the community involved? I'm talking about civilians that are knowledgeable, that could do well to bring some kind of fairness and equity, even to uh, uh, the discussion and certainly to the courtroom. Mm-hmm. To the courtroom, you know. Yeah, because that's that's where it all. You know, if you don't even, if you don't, if the DA does not file adequate charges, right? Then what the DA decides in terms of the charge, he's already telling you how this case is going to end. Yeah. If the initial charges are only going to get you two years if you're convicted, then we know there's a good chance that you're not going to spend any time in prison. If they bring second degree murder, first degree murder charges, uh, uh. There are a number of charges that, that can be brought, mm-hmm. uh, but not just reckless endangerment after mm-hmm. you just shot somebody. Right. So look at the initial charges. So it's not just about our police. It's about our district attorneys. It's about the oh, attorney sure. general. It's yeah. about our prosecutors. It's about who's withholding information. You know, they find that when we find these folks were innocent and they're let out of jail, Right, they're let out of prison. We find in thirty percent of those cases, there was prosecutorial misconduct. So it's just not police officers. Not it's not just a bad officer. We've got to look at those folks that are prosecutors. We got to look at what did the AG do? What was the involvement from the top down? 
What did the chief exactly. do? Right? You can have a, so a, ba- a bad prosecutor, a, a negative pro- prosecutor. Huh? You can have a negative prosecutor, you know, or yes. a, bad yes. ju- a bad judge, yes. you know, yes. a, a bad and attorney. I mean, it, it, it's it's a lot involved, you know. And, and so that is why some of the measures that we're proposing, uh, if if they could be enacted, it would address a lot of this, right? The mm-hmm. escalation, the continuum of force, all of that, you know, it matters. You should not just have an everyday interaction with somebody because they got a paper tag and then somebody's dead. There you go. That's crazy, isn't it? And then we got to look at, we got to look at these killings. There were who, how many were unarmed? How many did you say were armed? You know, how mm-hmm. many were actually armed? Mm-hmm. All of that matters. Yeah. And it really does matter. Well, look here. We're going to take a quick little break. Once again, State Representative Regina Goodwin is on the air, KBOB 89.9 FM, or you can live stream at KBOB899.com. So we're going to take a little break, and we're going to be right back, Regina, okay? All right. Thank you. All right. What's up, y'all? This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to 89.9 FM. Bobby Eaton Show. I was rolling in the car when I pulled up at the mall, couldn't find Hi, this is Reverend Dr. Robert Richard Allen Turner, pastor of the historic Vernon African Methodist Episcopal Church. Vernon has been a staple in the Greenwood community since her origin in 1905 and wanted to invite you to participate in our virtual 115th church anniversary. Where we'll be having Attorney General from the state of New York, Letitia James, be our keynote speaker. You can find out more details on our website, www.vernoname.com. And again, God bless you and God keep you. If your credit starts with a three, four, five, or six, this is for you. Did you know that it's costing you to have bad credit? You can't get qualified for that house or apartment and you're paying high interest rates, along with paying high car insurance, and it may be costing you that job that you really want. What are you waiting on? Take more of a holistic approach. Pick up the phone and call the Credit Shiro at 832 642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626 with 13 amazing services we restore and repair generations to come once again call the Credit Shiro at 832-642-1554 or text CAMP to 76626 if you know better you do better only the Credit Shiro can help you to save the day Hello, Tulsa. This is Janetta Cole with Sunday Dinner and More by Janet, your weekend soul spot. Every Saturday and Sunday from 11 a.m. until 4 p.m. We're located 531 East Apache in the historic Apache Circle Center. Of course, during these times, it's carry out only, but you can call 918-951-5143. That's Sunday Dinner and More by Janet. I don't want nobody 
Searching for ways to grow your business? Or perhaps you would like to invest in Tulsa's African-American communities? The Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce is a great place to start. The Chamber was created to serve and increase the visibility of needs in our community. It is an umbrella organization for local businesses, the Tulsa Juneteenth Festival, BWS Black Women in Business, and the Grassroot Economic Development Fund known as BWS The Power Group. For more information about the Black Wall Street Chamber of Commerce or to donate to The Power Group, visit bwschamber.com. PJ Publishing Incorporated announces a new book release, The Entrepreneurial Woman. The World is Your Playground by Angela K. Chambers, MES. Available right now for pre-order at payhip.com slash B slash N B capital A capital C. The book release is set to hit June 1st, 2020. If you're ready to publish your book, visit us online at www.pnjpublishing.com. Unleash that book that's inside of you with PNJ Publishing. Hi, this is Reverend Dr. Robert Richard Allen Turner, pastor of the historic Vernon African Methodist Episcopal Church. Vernon has been a staple in the Greenwood community since her origin in 1905 and wanted to invite you to Participate in our virtual 115th church anniversary, where we'll be having Attorney General from the state of New York, Letitia James, be our keynote speaker. You can find out more details on our website, www.vernoname.com. And again, God bless you and God keep you. Ah, yeah, you're on the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. That's every Monday, Wednesday, 6 p.m., Central Standard Time, and like today, uh, from 12 to 2. So we want you to check it in. Tell a family member, tell a friend, tell somebody. We try to keep it real because we tell our stories our way, you know, and that's what we do right over here. Oh, yeah. We got a great conversation going on with uh, State Representative Regina Goodwin. We've been covering a whole lot of things uh, that are taking place. in Tulsa in general, you know, and um, so, uh, Regina. Yeah. So as we go moving forward right here on the show. Okay. What's it, what do you think, what do you have in store or what are some of the plans you have uh, for us here? Well, I tell you what, you know, Bobby, when I can tell you that just in the last month or so, I can tell you some some of the areas where we've been working. And again, as a talk, we talked about the unemployment rate and the folks that are needing their benefit. Every day, like I say, with the whole COVID-19, and I, I, you know, we talked about the deaths and, and, and the increasing cases that we're getting. We got over like 1,500, mm-hmm. which is record numbers in Oklahoma, just cases, right? right. Cases. cases. We're dealing with that, and we're dealing with unemployment, and then we're dealing with more than 1,100 deaths or so. Uh, and then, of course, the, you know, 200,000 plus mm-hmm. uh, as it relates to America. The job, jobs are being affected, right? And it's, I literally was talking to somebody yesterday. They they said to me, look, I don't want to be at work. I'm forced to go to work. Got to go right? to work, right? And, mm-hmm. and And the folks that are working at home, because they were then 
some folks are telling me they're forced to work at home. They're talking about the fact that they have to pay additional lighting bills, electric bills. They're using their Internet, you know, to do all the Zooms and all of that. And that is a cost that they're saying they wouldn't ordinarily have to take on. And they're not considered to be these independent workers or contract workers. These are mm-hmm. full-time workers, right? Yeah. So when you say what are you working on, what we know is that we got to ask, how are the, the dollars being spent with the CARES Act? I just had that conversation about reaching out to our county commissioners to see how how can these – we got 21% of these funds that are being – that are remain, right? Mm-hmm. And you're seeing people that are not being treated fairly. So we're having those conversations. We're trying to see how the funds being utilized and what could be done for these workers that really literally are risking their lives when they're forced to go into a work environment. So that was just yesterday. There's a that calls that we were doing, looking into that. Uh, as I said to you, would absolutely worked on the whole fact of these COVID numbers. How are they being tracked? Because we know we're behind. So we're engaged in that. We're engaged in that every day. Uh, as relates to fair housing issues, just in the most recent month, uh, that was an issue that we've been working on, and we saw good results. And not only did a community uh, get better services, but most recently there was a lawsuit that was settled, and we're seeing lives have been changed from that lawsuit, and that's just within the last month or so, that we're seeing the results of that lawsuit that, that I initiated and, and, and found the, the defendants and, and, and knew that when it comes to fair housing, that wasn't right, what was going on there. Uh, yeah. I will tell you, you say, what are we working on? We're working on the fact that when we see those that have mental health issues that are incarcerated, uh, how are they being treated and why are they in prison? So we had to work with a situation there where we got the person out of the prison environment and into a mental health facility where they should have been in the first place, right? Mm-hmm. And and we saw that that what they should have been entitled to, they it did not happen for them. So you have to really stay, and that stuff doesn't get resolved in one day. You have to stay on top of it until you see movement, until you see the agencies coming together to help those situations. Another situation, you know, dealing with the women and COVID nineteen, um, we would call and make sure that there were four checks to make sure that there weren't outbreaks. And we did that months ago. We would have folks go in and actually check on on, on entire floors. Mm-hmm. So COVID-related, COVID-related, and, and unfortunately, at a warrior, there was the outbreak. You almost had 753 women that, that were contracted COVID. And, and we've been down there. We've made those kinds of calls. And, and then after a while, Bobby, when it spreads to that degree, uh, we asked, then why haven't the staffers been forced to be tested? And that just has happened within the last month, that they now are going to mandate that if you're a staffer in an environment, an enclosed environment like that, you got to get tested. We're yeah. not doing that in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. We're not testing like that, right? Well, no, no. But now, now just in the last month, now they're going to mandate that a staffer at, a, at an institution, right, a facility, uh, Department of Corrections that they have to be tested, but we had not that had not been mandated. Those are those are the kinds of things that are going on on a daily basis, as it relates to how are we trying to take care of folks in Oklahoma and and uh, there have been so many other incidents uh, that happen on a daily basis 
that we're engaged in that we're able to find solutions. Um, people, there, there's a lot. There's a lot. So with the COVID-19, I wanted to start there. Okay. What's happening. So we're definitely addressing issues as it relates to employment. We're definitely addressing issues as it relates to how do we keep our folks more safe? Because if they're not going to listen and do mandatory uh, masks, which we've asked over and over again, if we're not going to um, ensure that folks have to physically distance in certain capacities and they're allowing these gatherings, right? What we can do is voice our opinion, tell why we know that's not going to work and keep letting them look at the 1500 new cases that we're getting in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And that proves to be something right. If your president, if president Trump, you know, is allowing even today folks to gather and have these, these gatherings when They've been what they call super spreader events. That's insanity. And it's it, crazy. And, it's despicable. and people are dying. Uh, I, I, you know that as the uh, chair of the Oklahoma Legislative Black Caucus, when it comes mm-hmm. to these elections, uh, this is stuff that you're not going to see on mm-hmm. Facebook. But we were able to have someone removed who was going to be, when you look at these election boards, right? Right. You need to see. These folks will be determining which ballots get thrown out. They'll be determining what the final count is on a given election. That's true. Uh, they have the discretion to move uh, balloting from the Tulsa Election Board all the way over to Jewelers Stadium. They have a tremendous amount of influence. And what we have to do is when we see, as we did, uh, there was a guy who made some racist remarks and it was very public about it. And then we had the state election board that was about to allow him to be an alternate as it relates to someone who would be an election board site. Mm-hmm. So that this is the guy who's made racist remarks. He was going to be an alternate who would be deciding which ballots get thrown out, which ones stay, right? And we were able to have him not be um, placed in that position. Even though they had taken the vote, it had not been... Um, Official? Fully complete. Mm-hmm. Yes, it had not been fully completed. And they were able to, because we intervened, they were able to look at this guy, look at his record, ask some questions, and they realized that he was not a good fit to be uh, uh, someone who would be fair in, in our election. Uh, and so we're, we're, I can't tell you, every day there's it's a, a situation. It's a constant struggle. Every day there's someone that's needing help. It's a struggle, isn't it? It, it's a struggle, but I also say this, Bobby, for the victories that we do have, and we do have victories, uh, it's important that we also focus on that. We got to focus on the wins that we do have. Mm-hmm. We have to do that. And, and I do know that, that people are being helped. You know, I feel better when I know that someone now is actually getting help that had had in mental crisis, and the family was concerned that you know, something happened in the prison environment, in the jail environment, that mm-hmm. they're not going to understand this person literally had mental health challenges. Uh, yeah. We had to convince these folks because they're not going to listen when the family says, hey, my son has mental health challenges. They need that to be proven by a doctor. So we have to work through that process. Yeah, and that's kind of yeah. hard because we, in our community, uh, throughout Tulsa, mental health is a serious issue. It's very serious. Mm-hmm. You know, it's very. It is. It is. They say one in four folks will be dealing with that. Yeah, I, we I deal with it. I mean, even here at the radio yeah. station, I deal with it on a 
on a regular basis because I'm right here in the heart of the community and uh, people are walking the streets, single parent moms uh, got strollers and walking. And there's uh, a lot of guys, some of the guys that I've talked to just have given up, you know, on life yeah. per se and have, uh, you know, went to drugs and alcohol and it's a mental state of mind. And, you know, and we don't have a lot of uh, what I call black counselors to address these issues you know, mm-hmm. we got you got your mm-hmm. white you got your white counselors, but they don't understand black culture, so they can't mm-hmm. have that relationship. They're all technical with their side of the vision, and they don't know what it's like to grow up in a black environment and what you're subject to when you have uh, no jobs and stuff in your community, and you know uh, you got children and stuff like that, and you're trying to survive. And some of these brothers, right. you know, go through the system. And being incarcerated is kind of like, all right, well, hey, I can do that. I can do a year or two. I can be, you know, down there with my brothers Pookie and JoJo Nam. So it's right. It's a right. It's an ongoing it, 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 cycle. It is. It is an ongoing cycle. And 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 mental health is something we need to be able to address. They, they, there's a saying that says, "You're only as sick as your secrets." So if we're not able to talk about it, you keep all that bottled up. And if we understand that one out of four folks are affected as it relates to mental health issues, um, that is uh, something I think we'd be better able to wrap our hands around. Yeah. So it affects all of us. Uh, we got a family member, we got a friend, we got somebody that we know. Yeah. This is not the person themselves that's dealing with it. So that mm-hmm. that is one of the areas that we, we, we yeah. need to be mindful of. Bobby, I also want you to know, as related to um, uh, TANF and, and services that we're going to families in terms of uh, you know, aid that would come from the state. At mm-hmm. one time, that had been cut off, and and there was the this this fight that was going back between the Indian nations and the right. state government, and the people got caught up in the middle. and And I was able to get some of the, the uh, chief, yeah, uh, chief in communication with our DHS folks, mm-hmm. and because we had people there in the middle that were being hurt. And they were not getting their benefits. And they were not notified. As you talk about people not being notified, that was another one of those situations where people were not being notified. And, you know, they need, they're entitled to their own tax dollars working for them. Oh, for when sure. People talk about, when people talk about, oh, those are handouts and you're giving away money to people that are lazy. No, 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 no. We're giving the money back to people who have worked and it may be on Medicaid, but most of the folks that are on Medicaid, they are working. And there's a myth out there that these folks aren't hard and working and deserving of their own money coming back into their pocket. Yeah, that is a myth. So, yes, and and so there was an in, there was a situation where I'd been involved in that and making sure that 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 the people were taken care of. And again, there was another situation where they just weren't notified. I think that um, certainly been involved in food drives and 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 providing hot spots for people as the chair of the Oklahoma Legislative Black Caucus, we continue to support. Uh, we give about $20,000 to Langston University, and, and we've been doing that as a Black Caucus for a very, very long time, and that being the only uh, Black institute that we have, traditionally Black, historically Black college, it, it's deserving of support. Uh, I I am not, and I've been vocal about that too. There have been some major changes going on in Langston University here on the campus here in Tulsa, uh-huh. and I 
I did not like that we've given up some of our um, courses and disciplines that were offered there. Uh, but we've had that conversation. I'm certainly not directly involved in those decisions. That happens so certainly at, at the, the level of the university and and uh, the alumni that would be involved in that. But but that is a very serious issue that has happened here in Tulsa. But in the meantime, in the meantime, we continue, Bobby. We continue to look at a contracting and job contracting. It right. was the long story short, it was our investigation that led to them understanding that the Department of Transportation has not been fair mm-hmm. to black folks as it relates to job contracting. And um, we set up the, um, the what, what do you call the Disadvantaged Business Enterprise Task Force right. that's been established. And that was where they would talk directly to the director of the Department of Transportation, the Turnpike Authority, mm-hmm. and we're asking, how is it that you have a $300 million contract and and you're still not providing contracts proportionately mm-hmm. to black folks? Right. And, they, and I tell you, the one, the one black business that did get a contract only because we had filed that complaint and, and DOT was found to be... Um, in violation as it relates to, to uh, having good faith, okay? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. now, I think it's a travesty that they have not hired more. I think it's a travesty that you have other folks that will work deals behind closed doors to the detriment of the community. But what I can tell you is that the one person that did get a contract, that would not have happened had it not been for our push uh, to get more black folks involved in the process. Nowhere near enough. It was ridiculous that they only picked one black uh, company to work with. Uh, That Mm -hmm. is ridiculous. But we continue to be engaged in that conversation. And right now, as of two weeks ago, they still have not met the the, um, criteria that the federal government is asking them to meet as it relates to how they should be operating in Oklahoma. Mm-hmm. And we initiated it. We have followed through on it. And we want uh, at some point for it to be made good in Oklahoma. But but we understand job contracts and we understand those that are not being treated fairly. And we are speaking to it and, and making sure that investigations are done, lawsuits are filed, or whatever else has to happen. Mm-hmm. That That is what's happening. Well, that's what needs to happen. Okay. You know, and, and, yeah, yeah. What yeah. would you say, Bobby? No, I'm just saying. You know, we just need so much. It's so much information that's needed to spew throughout our communities and stuff, so people can be knowledgeable, know where to go, know what to do, know when it comes to jobs, know know where to go to look. You know, and it's just kind of crazy out here. Well, you know what? There, there. It, it, it. Look. You know, there are resources there. Of course, uh, things are being handled a little differently under the cover of COVID-19, so we need to understand that. Oh, COVID, uh, COVID kind of knocked us in the head. It knocked us in the head, slowed some things say that down. Again? I said COVID kind of knocked us in the head, you know what yeah, I mean? Kind of knocked yeah. us. Kinda, we were already kind of pushed down a little bit, and, you know, throughout the yeah. oppression and the depression in our, some of our communities, but COVID right. came in and pushed us even further, you know, so it's uh yes. it's a constant yes, struggle. Yes. You know I, I and that myth and, that myth about North Tulsa see there's a big myth about North Tulsa. 
people can mm-hmm. move here from other cities, and they're be they're always being told, "Don't move north, don't go north." You know, blah 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 blah. Now we right. may have just a few minority of knuckleheads over here. I'm just gonna say very few, but the majority of people in our community who live over here are basically good people. They're good people. There yeah. are a whole lot of great projects that are taking place over here that mainstream media never really reports, so you don't get a visual or anything about that. There, We have some nice homes here in North Tulsa. And matter of fact, we don't have what I call and consider a ghetto in North Tulsa. We've got some impoverished areas, but we don't have yeah, what right. I call a ghetto where – Cardboard boxes and tent city And all of that rolls and rolls Of that kind of stuff taking place But sometimes often I think that we Just get a bad rap and a myth about it You know because I've been told before Don't you know they told me don't come To North Tulsa Blacks who moved here told told me that that. They should not Yeah they should not But you know propaganda Bobby it's propaganda propaganda. Yeah, You know and Um I remember literally, again, this, look, let me say this. For all the good officers that are out there, I'm going to call you if I'm in trouble, right? Oh, for and sure. And I'm going to be very clear about this. When we talk about the need for law enforcement reform, mm-hmm. um, uh, for the, the officers that are doing their job, thank you. Be clear about that. I also think when you talk about Black Lives Matter, it doesn't mean you're against the police. It means that you're pro-justice. That's and true. so when we talk about the propaganda that's circulated in our community about, hey, that's not a good community, I remember driving home one night, police stops me, accuses me of doing something I did not do. He told me I didn't stop at a stop sign. Well, I know the community bears than he does. There was no stop sign where he was pointing. I said, sir, there is no stop sign there, right? Then he says, well, you're driving in a community that has a lot of crime. I said, well, I'm on my way home. That's the community I live in, and I know we don't have a lot of crime in my community. Right, they don't know Actually, the community. Crime that's, going on on the south side. That, 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 that's the, the issue. Excellent. You know, with police yeah. officers, I talk to policemen all the time. Police officers, I'm not yeah. afraid. I'll stop them. I'll talk to them. And you know, right. police officers often tell me they would much rather work North Tulsa than to work South Tulsa or East Tulsa or West Tulsa. Because, right. you know, it's not as much crime going on like out in South Tulsa. The issue yeah. be, the issue being with police officers is the fact they live in Broken Arrow, Sky Tooth, Owasso, yeah. Bigsby, all yeah. these little little towns and cities. And they come into our community not knowing the culture and things about the community. They're coming over here just to work. You know, so my thing to them is, hey, man, you need to get to know somebody. You need to go down to Wanda J's over here to Sweet Lisa's and eat some meals. You need to go down to B.C. Franklin Park out of your uniform and shoot some ball or something and get to know somebody, you know, in the community. You know, because how can you? I remember a time when we had black police officers in our community who could stop a fight just on a phone call. You know, yeah, and just go yeah. and dissolve that. Hey, hey, break that up. Now y'all cut that out. You know, and people yeah. just mellow on out. You know, but uh, and, and, yeah. But Bobby, I also think you're right. Times are different because there's um, uh, there is a, a lack of regard for each other. Period. That's it. I'm saying generationally, there's a lack of regard for another generation. 
racially, there's a lack of regard that we got all kind of, and I'm saying specifically, racism directed towards black folks is being magnified, elevated, and celebrated right now. Oh, for sure. And we need to call it what it is. We need to call it what it is. I will tell you that it, it starts with us, as you said, you know, we got to talk to our young folks about who they are, who they can be. And you got to educate. It's education. The reality mm-hmm. of what's going on right now, it's yeah. not, you can't exist in some little bubble and think you're going to really get the whole picture. Mm-hmm. And, and, and I will say all that to say, I, I did want to say this, that, that, uh, I'm very much engaged in uh, folks understanding the value of the Greenwood Cultural Center, how they have been the keepers of our culture and history right. for 25 years. Yeah. And for anybody, all of the, the, the unnecessary and lying that is going on in terms of, of mm-hmm. uh, they have always handled their finances in an impeccable way. Right. It's been handled with integrity. And I know there are folks going through this community mm-hmm. uh, that have been for years saying that's not the case. And then yeah. you see there's a redirection of energy to Greenwood Rising. Yeah. And what I'm saying is that the truth of the matter is, Bobby, um, always talking to folks about what good the Greenwood Culture Center does, how they folks have been married there, mm-hmm. folks have had symposiums oh, sure. there, folks have had. And, and, and all kind and of stuff, program shows, there. everything that mm-hmm. has always been the epicenter. And you better ask yourself, why do you see energy being redirected from the Greenwood Cultural Center mm-hmm. when that is what we know? Yeah. And so folks need to support the Greenwood Cultural Center. They do. They need to put their dollars there. Yeah. And we're talking about large dollars. We're not talking about you know mm-hmm. small money. Well, that needs and to happen. Well, look here, yeah, Regina. Yeah. Look here, Regina. Yeah. We okay. coming to the end of the show. I mean, we've right covered now. so much, and uh, I want to take this time out to thank you for coming on the show at your busy. Cause we know you're busy over there in Oklahoma City, going back and forth down that freeway, you know, and yeah. uh, representing us and continue doing the good work that you're doing in the community. So if someone wanted to get in touch with you, Regina, how would they go about doing so? So the, the capital number, and it's so important, Bobby, the capital number is 405. Five five seven seven four zero six. That's the number to the office at the Capitol. That's how we can be reached. Uh, that the thing of of that is the best way to be in touch. Okay? okay. And I can tell you, Facebook and Messenger, all of that stuff gets hacked over and over and over. My account has been duplicated, and folks sending out crazy mm-hmm. messages. Yeah, about I understand. Been there. That happens all the time. Mm-hmm. So call that number. Uh, and that's how we can be reached. Yeah, one, uh, one more time. Give yeah. it to us one more time. It is 40506. And the email is regina.goodwin at okhouse.gov. Regina.goodwin at okhouse.gov. That is the best way to be in touch. And um, like I say, we, we really want to be responsive, and we are responsive. And I often get calls from other districts, right? Mm-hmm. And I'm like, okay, <laughs> you know, we're gonna, like be, we're gonna be we're gonna be responsive, and and if if there's help to be had, we're gonna we're gonna make sure it happens. Okay, well, thank you, lady, for coming on the Bobby Eaton Show, where we tell our stories our way. And hey, I'm gonna get you back in here, okay? Bobby, thank you for everything. Everybody, y'all, go vote. 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 Get your absentee ballots in That's now. Right. Turn go them do in it. Soon. Do it now. And uh, uh, let's turn this thing around if if if, if we can. Let's get. Uh, don't get me started. Go okay. Out and vote. 
All right. Gotcha. All right. right. Thank you. Thank you. All righty. All right. You've been on the Bobby Eaton show where we tell our stories our way. And uh, State Representative Regina Goodwin has been on the air with us. And uh, we want you to continue on. Vote, 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 vote. You know, we're located here at 1533 North Norfolk. Uh, I call it my family uh, legacy and historical building, Eaton Media Services. And stop by, got some ideas, eatonmusic2 at gmail.com. Got something on your mind, some show you might want to do or something, I'll consider it. And uh, we just want you to participate and help build your community up. All right, until the next time, have a good one. This is Charlie Wilson, and you listen to K-Bob, 89.9 FM, Bobby Eaton Show. Hi, this is Reverend Dr. Robert Richard Allen Turner, pastor of the historic Vernon African Methodist Episcopal Church. Vernon has been a staple in the Greenwood community since her origin in 1905 and wanted to invite you to participate in our virtual 115th church anniversary. Where we'll be having Attorney General from the state of New York, Letitia James, be our keynote speaker. You can find out more details on our website, www.vernoname.com. And again, God bless you and God keep you.